0: I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life Changing Wellness episode number 87. Today, we discuss babies, bottles, and booze. It's time for another life changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's
1: Life Changing Wellness. Life Changing Wellness.
0: Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome everyone to another weekly episode of Life Changing Wellness. And before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Today, our guest, Dr. Keisha Gaither, a double board certified physician in OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine and director of perinatal services at Lincoln Medical and Mental Health Center in the Bronx. With more than 20 years of professional experience driven by her mission to provide top prenatal care to all women, regardless of circumstance, Dr. Gaither is a regular go-to expert for media including outlets including Today.com, Prevention Magazine, and more. Additionally, she has been published by multiple scientific journals and is a reviewer for WebMD. And Dr. Gaither cautions mothers on fables and facts when it comes to issues surrounding babies, bottles, and booze. So let's welcome our esteemed guest today, Dr. Keisha Gaither, to the show. Okay, hello, Dr. Gaither. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, and what a beautiful introduction. Thank
0: you. Well, you're very, very welcome, and uh, I am very interested in our topic today about babies, bottles, and booze, but first, tell us about the prenatal work that you do in New York, and how is your job unique?
1: Well, I am a Perinatologist, or another word for it is maternal fetal medicine specialist, and what that is, is a, 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 an OBGYN who's had specialized training to take care of complications of pregnancy. Complications such as medical issues like HIV, diabetes, uh, sickle cell anemia, uh, Babies that have congenital anomalies, uh, twins, triplets. So if you have an issue during your pregnancy, your general OBGYN will send you to somebody like myself. So that's pretty much what I do. Um, here I serve as the Director of Perinatal Services and the Director of Maternal Fetal Medicine here at New York uh, City Health and Hospitals Lincoln in the Bronx.
0: Wow, that is... uh you got a big job ahead of you because I can't, I can't imagine how many different cases that you must see and the, and the different types of cases that, like you mentioned. Now, Do you uh, also deal with uh, babies that are born that uh, could be hooked on drugs like meth or cocaine? Absolutely.
1: We see a lot of that. A lot,
0: a lot of that. a lot of
1: patients who are substance abusers, uh, cocaine, meth, heroin, so... We see a lot of that.
0: How long does it take to get a, a newborn baby to, I mean, is there a winning process that they have to go through uh, being born from a mother that's a drug addict?
1: It depends on the substance that um, is being used or abused, so to speak. Um, if the mother is, is on heroin, the baby will likely be weaned on methadone until such a time as it can, you know, take care of itself uh, without it. But, yeah, for depending on the drug, there is a weaning process.
0: Well, let's cover some of the mommy myths that are common uh, when it comes to newborn care. What are some of those mommy myths?
1: Well, I think the first one, uh, which I speak on a lot, is talking about alcohol use in pregnancy, you know, a fable that a little wine is fine. Well, no, not really. Um, You do not want to drink when you are pregnant. Alcohol is one of the leading preventable uh, causes of birth defects in the United States. There's such a uh, syndrome known as fetal alcohol syndrome, which consists of a triad of abnormalities in the developing fetus, encompassing their um, central nervous system development, uh, abnormal facial features, and growth um, restriction. So uh, that is certainly contraindicated in pregnancy and really in, in and when you're breastfeeding to an extent as well, because the alcohol gets into the breast milk and your baby's brain is still developing up until three years of age. So you really don't uh, want to be imbibing in a lot of alcohol during that time period.
0: So what type of birth defects do, uh, can be caused by uh, fetal alcohol poisoning? I mean, is it cerebral palsy, things of that sort? Um
1: well, what you'll see is babies that have small heads, short stature, they can be hyperactive, uh, they can have uh, low IQs, uh, hearing defects, visual defects, they can have heart, kidney, or bone defects. I mean, alcohol is really ugly in pregnancy, so you really do not want to imbibe when, you, when you're pregnant. You really don't.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned breastfeeding. What are some of the uh, benefits of breastfeeding, and is breast really best?
1: Well, yes, it is. Breast is best for many uh, reasons. Your body is is really smart, and, you know, when a mother delivers, uh, the body knows what types of proteins and fats and nutrients that the baby is going to require as you go along during the course of your breastfeeding the quality of it is going to change uh and it reflects what's best for the baby depending on how old it is now the other thing that is really good where comes the slogan breast is best is because uh within the breast milk there are a lot of uh, little factors that confer immunity from the mother to the baby so that's really why we say breast is best because the mother's immune system uh has little cells which are in the breast milk which confers you know a level of immunity uh to the baby from infectious uh products you know there are instances however where the woman can't breastfeed either she is taking a medication which is contraindicated she has a medical illness such as hiv or aids which is contraindicated for breastfeeding or she may have a situation where she's had cancer and you know has had a mastectomy where she does not have breast or um simply she is a single mom where, you know, breastfeeding really um, cuts into a lot of the time that she may need to work or what have you. Uh, she may not have the support. So in instances such as that, you know, there's always options. Um, one of the first options uh, is u- utilization of formula. Well, formula well. to the best, uh, of its capability kind of mimics, uh, breast milk as far as the nutrients, um, the amino acids, the proteins and so forth that breast milk has, has certainly not to the total extent of breast milk, but it mimics it to a pretty good extent. Um, formula also has an an ingredient in it known as carrageenan, which is a natural ingredient made from um, seaweed, red seaweed. And what carrageenan does is it emulsifies the... uh, Formula it mixes up all the ingredients so all of the nutrients don't settle to the bottom. Um, Certainly, if you have a a fussy baby, you want to make sure that your baby is getting everything you know in every drop that it's it's getting. Um, Carrageenan also tends to have certain antiviral properties in it, which, you know, is another good thing. Um, carrageenan is, is a, is a product that, uh, is in a lot of foods that we consume already, like salad dressings or soups and ice cream, so forth and so on. It's also in baby formula. So, um, Formula is fine, and there are different types of formula. You can have a uh, milk-based formula, or you can have a soy formula if, you know, the mother isn't vegan and doesn't want to have any type of animal products. So uh, formula is always an option.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Doctor, because I'm curious, because I know, and, and I agree, uh, breastfeeding is always the best option because of the the immune factors, the growth factors that right. the uh, the mother's milk can provide for a baby. Do you see, uh, in comparison with a lot of the babies that uh, you treat, do you see a health difference in those that you know have been breastfed versus those that were formula fed? Do you see a difference between those that have less ear infections or maybe those that uh, have asthma and then those don't have asthma? Do you see a correlation between the, the two types of feeding that one that one baby is actually healthier, may have less uh, complications growing up. Maybe they have, uh, they don't deal with ADD. I mean, what do you see?
1: Well, you know, my my specialty takes care of the babies while they're on the inside. So I can't really, you know, say what happens once, you know, they leave my care after I, I you know, get them safely from the womb to the outside. However, in speaking to a lot of my friends who are pediatricians, yes, There is a difference in breastfed babies as far as, you know, their uh, immune systems and being uh, predisposed to ear infections and GI upsets and allergies and so forth and so on as compared to babies that, um, you know, are um, bottle fed. So anecdotally and speaking to my colleagues along those lines, yeah,
0: I would say so. Well, do you, um, when it comes to breastfeeding and, and and I, I mean, I'm going to agree with you a thousand times on that one. It, it's always the best option, especially if the mother can do it. And I understand, as you had stated, there are issues in which a mother should not, or maybe she cannot, but, uh, do you, uh, provide the mother or, or is that passed on to another pediatrician as to possibly encourage the mother to improve their diet so that when they do breastfeed uh the baby uh, receives much more nutrition than normal or the way that they should oh, be receiving absolutely. nutrition.
1: That that is certainly a conversation that is had um you know with all you know my pregnant uh patients. Um generally uh, with any given prenatal care uh facility they do have a nutrition uh consult. So the nutritionist is able to review what they're eating, uh, how they're eating, uh, particularly if they have particular dietary uh, restrictions, be they a vegan or if they have uh, gluten sensitivity or something like that. And so she's able to work with them to determine what foods are best, what foods are the most nutritious, um, and that can afford um, good good outcomes. So, that is kind of a standard.
0: Well, with some of the babies that you treat that uh, are born with, I guess you call it, is it fetal alcohol syndrome? Is that what they call it? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, fetal alcohol Um, syndrome. Is there a particular diet that that baby is placed on compared to, let's say, a baby that is born healthy?
1: Well, I think it all depends on where they fall on the spectrum uh, of this disorder. Um some babies may have uh significant uh growth issues in which case they might need to have a diet that has more proteins or carbs in it. Um, I think it's it's a it's a case where you have to take it on a case by case basis and then determine what the nutritional needs are um, depending on what you know what you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm gonna a- I'm gonna ask a hot button question, but I'm not gonna ask you to choose oh, okay. sides because I'm not gonna do that. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question in a in a very different way. Uh, I know right okay. now that we are hearing a lot of the talk about vaccines. We have you know uh, supposedly a study had come out just recently uh, debunking all of the things that the anti-vaxxers are saying. My question is this, and it's not to choose sides anyway. I'm not going to choose sides. I'm not going to place you in that position because that's wrong. What I want to know is that I understand that a baby's immune system is fully developed by the time they're two years old. If a parent decides to vaccinate their child, is it best to wait till they're at least two? Because I've seen doctors literally walk into a hospital room after the baby's born and want to start vaccinating after they're just a day or two old. What do you say?
1: Um, I think that vac- vaccinations um, have served us well, and I will just kind of leave it
0: at that. <laughs> I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> I'll... I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I did want to put you on the, the hotbed on that one. I was just curious because I've read so much and studied so much when it comes to a baby's immune system, and which is why I am a, a proponent for breastfeeding because of the immune factors and the growth factors. And again, uh, ladies, if you're listening to our interview and you are carrying child, uh, please, if you can breastfeed, if you're a perfect candidate for that, please do your child will be i would say in my book much healthier and will. uh that's what they just need uh plain and simple milk from the mother is best that's for sure now for for uh, doctor oh go ahead doctor
1: no i was going to to add um you know for those mothers that for whatever reason can't breastfeed and don't want to give their uh Baby's formula. Um, they should know that there are milk banks across the country where mothers donate their breast milk. Um, the breast milk has been certainly screened for infectious um, uh, diseases and um, pasteurized. So, you know, the donor milk is screened and pooled and tested and it can be dispensed to. You know, hospitals and and families in need.
0: Wow, I did not so even that, know that's that existed. Option. Wow, yeah. that yeah. so um, wow well, that that is so, that raises up a lot of questions, but none of them that I would probably think about asking at this point because I know that when when a baby is born and when the mother starts to breastfeed, I know that that first uh, 24, 48 hours of the colostrum coming out is absolutely vital for that child's immune system and the the growth factors. Mm -hmm.
1: There's a difference in the colostrum of a baby that has been born full term to a mother, as opposed to a baby that has been born preterm to a mother. So, you know, the body is, is really, really smart, you know, and, and that, colostrum, um, or that first milk, as they call it, um, really uh, provides whatever uh, immunologic and nutritional um, value, depending on, um, you know, what the baby needs.
0: So what what have you seen in, I mean, have you ever uh, looked at or researched the difference in the the strength or the composition of the colostrum between a, a full-term baby being born versus those that are preemies?
1: Yeah, I mean that's, that's out in the literature. There's a difference. That's real. That, that is a very real um, fact. There's a so, difference in it.
0: So, is it weaker if they're pre- preemie, or is it that the, like you said, the body's really smart and knows what to do?
1: The body is really smart, so it it typically has, you know, a more of a proteinaceous factor in it, um, uh, a little bit more immunologic um, cells within it, you know, which really helps out, you know, a little preemie.
0: Well, what are some of the other myths that uh, that you correct of a lot of questions when, uh, when, uh, expecting mothers are coming to you?
1: Well, another one that is, is common is just because you're pregnant, that, that means you can eat whatever you want because you're eating for two. Um, uh, I, I would kind of err on the side of, of, um, thinking twice about that. Um, when, when you are eating while you're pregnant it's important that you eat nutrient dense foods as opposed to uh, foods that have great taste but poor nutritional value. For instance, you're going to get more bang for your buck if you have a snack, say of hummus and carrots as opposed to having a snack of you know, a, a donut and a-, a big glass of soda. Um, while both may be filling, uh, certainly the nutritional value of the first one is far exceeds nutritional value of the second one. Now, um, as far, go ahead.
0: You know, you know we're seeing a lot in the news about these record-breaking babies being born. I mean, the last one, I think, tipped the scales just over 15 pounds. Why are we seeing a, a much higher increase of heavier babies being born? Is that just strictly related to the mother's diet?
1: Um, for babies of that size, the first thing that I think of is this: the baby of a diabetic mother who's been poorly controlled. Um, diabetes uh, uncontrolled in pregnant women um, acts like a growth hormone. And diabetes in pregnancy can do some really not nice things. Um, and one of them is to affect the fetal growth. The other thing is it can... Um, impact on the manner in which the fat is deposited in the baby's body. Uh, babies of, of diabetic moms really look like little sumo wrestlers because the fat is deposited in the baby's belly as well as in the shoulder girdles. So these babies not only are big, but moms with big babies such as this tend to have um, delivery complications. Uh, one of them is known as shoulder dystocia, where basically the head will come out, but the, the shoulders won't. Um, so in diabetics, it's really important while they're pregnant to get interval fetal growth to make sure you're not dealing with a baby that has shoulder dystocia. And if, if you do have a baby that's on the large side, you know, opt for a C-section to ensure that it's delivered um, without any complications.
0: Well, what is the difference between a mother who is not diabetic versus a mother who is clinically a diabetic, but then I've heard mothers who are not diabetic, but then they may end up in gestational diabetes. How does that happen?
1: Um, There are two types of diabetes during pregnancy. There is the diabetes that um, existed prior to even getting pregnant, pregnant. That's called pregestational diabetes. And then there is diabetes that can occur uh, upon pregnancy. The placenta puts out hormones which induce a diabetic state. So if you're kind of wavering on the edge, once you get pregnant, those hormones will just kind of tip you over the edge into a diabetic state. So that's why every pregnant woman is screened uh between twenty four and twenty eight weeks of pregnancy and if she has particular risk factors she screen, you know, as soon as she walks into the door for her first prenatal visit. Um, a screening consists of an oral uh sugar load, uh and if that is deemed abnormal, then she has a three hour test It's called a three hour GTT. And if there are two abnormal values there, then she's deemed a gestational um diabetic.
0: So how's that treated?
1: Um, well, there are two types of gestational diabetic diabetics. One is diet controlled uh, where you know she monitors her diet, uh, checks her uh, finger sticks to make sure that she falls within a normal range if for whatever reason she is not falling within an adequate range um, with diet alone then medications are given to her either oral and or insulin to ensure that she is in a euglycemic state or, or a normal glycemic state um, during the course of her pregnancy. You don't want um, a pregnant woman to have out-of-control uh, blood sugars because it can affect fetal development and certainly, if poorly, poorly controlled, can result in an intrauterine fetal demise where the baby dies inside of her.
0: Oh, uh, well, let me ask you this. With these um, overly large babies being born, is that an indication that they're going to be obese their whole life or um, not? There
1: is a, a high correlation between uh, childhood and adult obesity, uh, a high correlation of the child uh, developing uh, uh, comorbid diseases like diabetes and hypertension. So, you know, what mommy eats has a type of transgenerational effect as to how the progeny is, is going to turn out. So, you know, it's it's very important, um, you know, to have good nutrition during pregnancy. Uh, fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, lean meats, um, cut out the, the fat, the salt, the fried foods, bake and broil. Um, one thing that I also like to uh, tell my pregnant ladies is vitamin supplementation is important, and there are certain nutrients that um, in supplementation that that are important. And I like to focus on a few of them. First and foremost, when you're pregnant, you normally will develop an anemia simply because. Uh, the fluid in the body accumulates and your little red blood cells that you already have become diluted. So it's known as the physiologic anemia of pregnancy. So every pregnant woman needs to have iron supplementation. Wow. That's the first thing.
0: Go ahead. And what's, the, what's the next?
1: Uh, the next thing um, is calcium. Um, calcium uh, is needed for fetal uh, bone development. If the mother's calcium levels are relatively low, you know, the baby is going to get what it needs. So it starts leaching calcium from the mother's bones in order to have the development of its own uh, bone system, you know, its heart functioning because um, calcium is important in cardiac and muscular uh, development, so it's going to start leaching from mom in order to supplement itself. So mom needs to have some calcium supplementation. The other thing uh, mom needs is to, and I usually tell my ladies this, to try and take it in the preconceptual period before they even get pregnant, at least three months, to start taking some folic acid. Folic acid is really, really uh, crucial Um In the development of the baby's brain and spinal cord, it's central nervous uh, development. So it's really important that moms have that, if possible, in the preconceptual period, but certainly within the first six weeks of of pregnancy, because, you know, what happens in the first six weeks pretty much predicates how, you know, the baby is going to turn out. structurally during the course of the pregnancy because everything that needs to happen happens in the first uh first weeks of pregnancy and it's just growth after that point in time so folic acid is important and the other thing the last one that i'm a really big proponent of, uh, of is vitamin d supplementation um you know particularly for women who uh are melanated. Um, melanated uh, women, people in general, tend to have lower levels of vitamin D. Vitamin D is made uh, in the skin and uh, it's really generated in response to sunlight. So if you're a melanated person and living in an environment that's cold and you know, you don't have a lot of sunlight or you're you're indoors a lot, you you're likely to be vitamin D deficient. Now, vitamin D is really important in a lot of the physiologic processes in our body, you know, our hearts. Uh it's important for mood, you know, uh A lot of mood disorders are correlated with low vitamin uh, D levels, cardiovascular functioning. And certainly in my neck of the woods, in my arena, vitamin D, you know, a low level of it has been correlated with an increased risk of preterm birth. So, you know, everybody that I see who's pregnant is going to have a vitamin D level checked and they're going to be supplemented accordingly.
0: Well, do you believe in us uh, for expecting mothers to supplement with omega-3, especially with DHA, so that way that DHA level is present in their breast milk?
1: Yeah, that's that's good. And and generally most of the prenatal vitamins already have that.
0: Oh, good. Good cuz I know that uh, a lot of the for those uh mothers that uh, cannot breastfeed. I understand now that DHA is being fortified within a lot of the formulas to make sure that the baby is getting what they need. Yeah. Well, where yeah. can my audience connect with you? Yeah. Where can my audience um, connect well, with you? Well,
1: I have, I have a Twitter handle at Keisha Gaither, MD, and my name is spelled... K-E-C-I-A, that's my first name, Keisha, last name, G-A-I-T-H-E-R. So that's my Twitter handle, at M D. And I do have a website, uh, www.KeishaGather.com. I put out a lot of information, you know, on pregnancy and women's health on my website. So certainly, um, just check me out.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you this. If you are thinking about uh, conceiving or you are already expecting, go to Dr. Keisha Gaither's website. She is a wealth of knowledge, and you've heard part of that knowledge today. I myself is completely impressed. And not only that, I learned a few things uh, from Dr. Gaither myself that I would, that I'm going to be passing on to other expecting mothers that I know. So again, check her out. Go online, Dr. Keisha Gaither. She is one of the foremost experts uh, in fetal medicine. So please check her out. And ladies and gentlemen, remember, To catch every episode of Life Changing Wellness, just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. And thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And now you can download my show on Spotify. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life Changing Wellness and you can learn more about me at DrWardBond.com. Thank you for listening to Life Changing Wellness. I'm Dr. Ward Bond and remember... Something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.